Good morning. All right, I got a couple of good mornings back from that. <laughs> it was unclear kind of if you're supposed to respond to that, but I'm all right with that. Morning. My name is uh, Drew. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope, and uh, every once in a while I get the opportunity to uh, preach, and it's a joy for me, and um, I'm really excited today. And uh, we're, we decided for a few weeks we had a gap between uh, this, the Christmas series and starting First Peter, uh, which will happen next week. And so we get the opportunity to have a, what we call pastor's open mic, which means you just pick something, which is a lot harder than if someone just says, preach on this topic. Uh, and so uh, pers- it's very personal to me. Uh, there's a topic that's very personal to me that I was excited to share about. And uh, we went last week off to pastor study break. The, the group of us as pastors went to camp and we planned things for the year and took time to study and pray. And it was really, really good. And I got the opportunity to, to uh, get kind of extra time to even think about this, uh, which only meant that I actually ended up creating like a series. So <laughs> if we had six weeks, I'd love to talk about our adoption as God's children, but instead we have one week. So I'm gonna talk really fast, and you just gotta hold on. Uh, no, I, uh, I am excited to, uh, to uh, just share some things that have been very impactful to me. Um, and one of those things would be important for you to know about me maybe a little bit, uh, is that I have a family. And so I have a wife, and we have two kids, our daughters. Uh, this is this is Zariah. This picture captures our family better than, a, uh, you know, the Christmas card ones that we all know are fake. Um, <laughs> this one, this is mo- like a little bit more of our family. This is actually probably a year old now, but I love this photo um, of our family. This is Zariah, our youngest on the left, uh, who is scree- screaming, <laughs> uh, yelling, uh, and my wife Kelly and our oldest Zoe, who is 10 now, Zariah is 7. Um, she's about to become a junior hire and, and makes that known often in our house, uh, literally or just through her attitude. Um, we love them dearly. Uh, we had the opportunity to adopt them uh, f- uh, four, about four years ago, a little over four years ago. Um, we got to be their foster parents for a little bit and uh, adopt them, and they are um, a joy to have around and the hardest thing by far ever in my life to have around. Um, uh, they're beautiful, brave, um, smart, smart uh, women, um, and uh, ha- have made my life uh, much more difficult. <laughs> uh, I, thought, I thought marriage was really hard. Uh, and it was, mostly for my wife, and, <laughs> and these girls love them dearly, um, but to be a dad is difficult. Um, be a parent, right? To even to be a kid is, is quite difficult. We have an interesting thing that happens to our family because uh, we look different, um, and are, are different, but look different. When we're out in public, we get uh, different comments, or people often look at us. There's a certain look that we've kind of gotten used to, but especially when we first um, were a family, we'd be at Target, and people would uh, kind of stare because they're trying to figure out, like, uh, there's two very white people and there's two African-American girls, and, and how does that work? There's actually not a lot of options for how that could work. But, <laughs> but uh, adoption is probably the most likely option. And so people would see us, and they'd say, like, oh, how does this work? Um, and uh, if, we're, if we're alone, if Kelly or I are alone, like if I'm at Target with the girls, the most common uh, uh, response we get often is, like, oh, their mom must be really dark. We, 
which biologically isn't how that works. Uh, it's not like a gradient. Uh, I say, oh, actually, they're, uh, you know, they're adopted. Um, they're our daughters. And the comment we get often, actually, is, oh, that's cool. Do you have any real kids? Oh, yeah. Well, don't. <laughs> that's very kind of you to go, oh. I usually, in that, in that split moment, I have to decide when I'm going to respond, right? Usually, internally, I have to repent because I've just said some things in my mind <laughs> and heart. Uh, you know, so I do. <laughs> Lord, let me be gracious here. I say like, oh, well, yeah. Uh, we don't. We just have two imaginary kids who are here, <laughs> here with us. Or, I'm, or I might say, what kids? What do you mean? I don't see any kids. No, no, no. I, I, know, I know the heart behind that, right? I'm, maybe some of this room might have done that with us or another family, you know. Um, and I know the, the heart isn't, I don't think that anyone's genuinely asking, do you believe your children aren't real or... They're truly your kids, right? I mean, they are my children, but there's something about, they mean, usually mean like, do you have biological children? Um, and so usually we get to kind of, sometimes you give me an opportunity in the target line because they can't leave to explain like, oh, you mean biological kids? It's not always helpful to ask that question uh, in that way. This though has made me think a lot about this because it happens to us uh, fairly often and it makes me think uh, how true it is uh, and how, how important it is that my kids understand they are my real kids. Those are my, my children, uh, and I am their parent. But I think how often uh, this just shadow that is our, our family here, of a, of a true family that we have with God, how often I don't really believe that I'm God's real child. That my identity, the, the greater reality of my life is that there's a God who calls me his son. I, I'm not just like a servant to him, a subordinate, like I'm not just a thing, a creation that he created and he sits on his throne somewhere and says like, oh, do things for me. He calls me his child. I think we have a lot of places in our, fa- in our lives that we call family, right? We, we see this right now if we watch football after every game when a team wins, they say two things. Usually, right, they say, we, we wanted it more, which doesn't actually make you win, I don't think. Right, you say, we wanted it more. And then often they say, like, we're just a family. That's why we won, right? We're a brotherhood. Or we're, right? People say family often to describe things. You might describe a team you're on or maybe even where you work, where we work, we're a family. Often businesses try to, try to create a family feel, right? At least some businesses of where they work. Which are all good, and those things have all these characteristics that make us want to be there, make us feel cared for, make us united. Um, But we want to be careful that we don't just look to those as kind of the end all, right? Those are actually just a shadow of of the greater family. And I think today I just want to encourage you, uh, because I've been very encouraged by just stopping and remembering what it means to be in God's family and really what it means to be a child of God, what it looks like to look at our adoption story. And when someone were to ask you, does God have any real kids, you can say, yes, I'm his real son, I'm his real daughter. Uh, This has actually helped me think about it. Um, I was standing recently in a kind of house that was being worked on. Um, And when you think of this, I think sometimes we look at our situation, our family, and we we create what it looks like to be in God's family, or even what God looks like as a heavenly father, uh, as if if we were building a house. If we're building a house, if we're inside of it, and we were just figuring out how a house is built, right? So we decided to throw some stairs here. That feels good. That seems to work. And we threw some, some boards up here, and I start describing what does a family look like just by standing in a house that's being built around me. 
Um, they'd be different than if I actually had the blueprints in front of me, maybe some 3D models, some of those cool ones where you get to zoom into the house and look all around it. If I actually got to experience some of that family with, with family, if I actually maybe got to see a model home where you walk through and go like, oh, this is what it's supposed to look like. In the end, this is beautiful. I see why we sit here and why we eat here. Rather than just kind of on the fly, on the go, deciding and then constantly having to, to restructure, to remodel because family needs to look different for different times. I think it's helpful for us today to kind of switch our perspective instead of just sitting in the house thinking, what could family look like? What does it look like to be a child um, or a parent? Instead of saying, let's stop and let's look at the, the model. Let's look at the, the house. Let's look at the blueprints. Let's look at what it looks like to be in, in God's family. So that's my, my hope today and our encouragement as we stop in, step into this. If you have Bibles and you uh, want to read along in your paper Bible or your electronic Bible, otherwise the words will be on the screen, we're going to be in Ephesians today, um, Ephesians 1. So if you want to flip there, we have just a few verses we're going to kind of stick in today. This passage was really uh, important uh, to me as we were considering um, adoption as I better understood my own adoption, it actually kind of overflowed for Kelly and I into deciding to actually adopt children as a, as a way to even to bear this image. And so today we're going to look at this, this passage. All right, let's, uh, let's read this. This is Ephesians 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption, to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given to us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So we're just going to start um, verse by verse. We're just going to walk through this and be encouraged. Um, there's a handout, hopefully, if you need it. Um, I think there might be some in the back. Otherwise, online, I think there's actually that same handout if you go to hopecc.com if you'd like to follow along. Otherwise, all of it will be up. On the screen. We're going to start with this first verse. Praise be to God, the Father, our Lord, Christ, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I have a uh, kind of way I want to do this today. So I, I have a, uh, I want us to look mostly at who God is, and then from there take a step and say, which might be obvious, but say, well, what does this, what does this mean for us then? And so our first step along this path is that our Heavenly Father is for us. If you saw in this passage, uh, it says, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. This passage explains to us that God is our Father. It explains that he is the Father of Jesus and that he blesses us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Not, not because we're awesome kids, uh, but because through, through Christ who came and died and rose. But I think it's really important for us not to skip this really important uh, uh, reality of being a child of God that he is for us. This is one thing I don't often believe. That God is for me. God, what are you doing? Why, 
are you always messing stuff up? Right? I believe it. So he's, I guess I hear this as a dad often. Dad? What? Like, I'm for you. I don't do this to hurt you. I think this is one that's hard for us to believe, right? Because we become disobedient children. Um, we are disobedient children who deserve wrath, who have sinned, who, who turn away from God. We deserve the consequences of that. And so I think even in that, I kind of know that even sometimes. And I think, okay, God, there's no way you're for me you, because, because I'm not like, great to you. I, I think of a, a moment in our house when our girls, um, uh, one of them, we'll make this anonymous, one of them, <laughs> I would assume this scenario happened with both of them at some point, one of them did something very disobedient, and we said, okay, you need to go um, have a little uh, time in your room to cool down and settle down, right? And they ran off to the other room together, like the two of them did. And they, you heard them talking in the other room, so you're excited to hear what this little plan was <laughs> they had. And they came back, and they said, okay, Dad, um, the one that was not in trouble said, I'm going to go up in the room for a while and spend the 10 minutes in the room uh, for her. And I thought, that is so s- sweet of you. And I said, you know, that's kind of like what Jesus does for us. And they're like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I said, that's so sweet of you. Uh, I said, well, that's not really how it works. She did it, so she gets to go up in the room. And she said, ugh, okay. And then she emptied her pocket of candy and gave it back to her sister. <laughs> she'd, been, she'd been bribed with a handful of candy. I thought, oh, no, it's not. It's sugar. Sugar motivated her. She was willing to spend 10 minutes, which would have been 10 minutes of just bliss eating candy <laughs> for her sister. Right? I don't know. Do I? Do they both get in trouble now? I don't know what I'm supposed to do at this point. So I ate all the candy right in front of them. <laughs> I just ate it up. I, in the moment, I did. I really did. I, it's not often that I think in the moment to like make a gospel connection. But I thought, remember this is like Jesus? No, it didn't work. But it is like Jesus, except we don't even get. We don't even give candy. We don't have anything. I can't even give Jesus a Snicker bar. Hey, thanks for the. Die on the cross thing because I'm a sinner and I deserve wrath. And now, at least, is that something? Right? Nothing. Where God blesses us and not just, not just, hey, God was uh, cool with you. At least he's not too upset. We want to start with this understanding that God is for us who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Our brother Christ, Jesus went to a cross and died so that we would not have that punishment. We didn't, even, we didn't even give him candy. Nothing, nothing. We couldn't do anything. And so it's really important. This might be obvious, but this is really helpful for me. To hear that our Heavenly Father is for us, you know what that means? Our Heavenly Father's family isn't an enemy. I might, this might be something, I just need to wake up, remember this, write this on my mirror. I'm not... I'm not an enemy. God is not my enemy. It's a phrase we use often in our house. (laughs) Your sister's not your enemy. Let's keep moving here. Verse four. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. I got the chance recently uh, to read through, uh, uh, I discovered this this, uh, new guy's writing. It's, It's really great. 
um, and he wrote the African Bible Commentary specifically to, um, to encourage Africans uh, in Scripture, in, in study of Scripture, which is really interesting because there's all these references that I don't know. So I get to learn all these like African history things because he says, this is just like this guy when he did this. I was like, I don't know what that means. Um, just like we often will do maybe with, with American history. So I, I, I've been really enjoying him. Um, and I wanted to share a little bit. He had an insight into this that was really encouraging to me. Uh, and uh, here it is. What an honor to be specifically chosen by God to receive his gift of salvation. This was no impulsive decision, but was made before the creation of the world. God selects believers individually while Jesus Christ is the work of transforming them into a community, the church, his body, the election of believers and the gift of eternal life do not date from the cross of Christ, but are part of God's eternal plan. Jesus Christ was the one who puts this plan into effect, making these blessings a reality that all who believe in him may obtain. This, this is a, I don't, I don't want you to miss this. The, right in the middle there, the election of believers and the gift of eternal life do not date from the cross of Christ. It wasn't like, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, I guess I'll die on the cross and then that will save them. How incredible is this? That God, this, the Trinity was hanging out and God's like, all right, I'm about to speak the creation of the world. Here it comes and Jesus says, oh, wait, 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 wait. The plan is still, right? That like all this will play out and I'll die on the cross and we'll save them and we'll forever be family and one day I'll come back and it'll all be made right. And Yeah, 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 can I do this? And then God... Let there be light, right? That's incredible that our God has, has a plan. That he's in control. He knows what he's doing. He's not reacting to everything around us. He's in control, which is really important because that means that I am safe. Maybe not, sometimes in the moment, I'm not, like, I might be hurt physically, right, emotionally. But I'm safe, like, Long term, I'm safe. If I could wake up and believe the reality that I am God's child and I am safe, that would change how I interacted all day. It would change how I would think and how I'd feel, how I'd act towards other people. It might even change the risk I'm willing to take, knowing that I have a God who, before the creation of the world, said, Jesus is going to go to a cross so Drew can still be my child still be with me. That's some good news. That's some real good news. All right, let's keep moving here. Verse almost five. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given to us in the one he loves. In love. Why would he do this? Why would before creation he freely give us all these blessings? Why would he send his son Christ to die and rise in our place? It's because he loves us. He wants to adopt us. God loves you and he wants you. He didn't say, oh, all right, I'm like sick of this. Just, just make this happen, Jesus, so we can get on, right? It says, it says he did this in accordance with his pleasure and will. 
It was his pleasure to rescue us as orphans, to adopt us, to become family. This phrase in here, adoption, is important to understand. It's, it's not just a, um, it's not just a he, God rescued us, so he paid our payment and then walked away and said like, okay, now you're, I, I paid it, right? So now go on with your life. It means he went before a judge and officially made us family, which means we're officially heirs, which means we are considered family. We're his real kids. We, we had this moment in our life, and this was um, impactful. So this is four years ago. Uh, I haven't aged a second. <laughs> or, my, or my wife. She has not aged a second either. Um, those little kids. Uh, this is the judge who officially declared us a family. This is one of my, this is one of my favorite stories. It's uh, amazing. This is right, I was just crying before this. I don't think you can tell in the picture. Uh, the judge, uh, you, we stand before the judge, the four of us. We're not officially a family yet. We're becoming a family. And he says to us, uh, I need each of you to understand what this means. This means you're a family, like you're making a, a covenant together. Like you're, you're in it. You're in it. You're not going anywhere. Are you willing to do this? And then we're all like, yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like, no, no, I need to hear from all of you. Are, you. are you willing to accept this? You are about to become family. Which means, and actually we had, we had to sign something that said, do you understand that if you like die, your kids get your stuff because they're your kids. Uh, and you're like, yeah, <laughs> kind of morbid in the moment, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just so you know, they're actually your kids. You can't, like they're not a different class. You're like, yeah, we get it, we get it. So he says, okay, I want to hear it. So he says, uh, Mrs. Zolke? And Kelly says, yeah. I think she said, yeah, 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 actually. Maybe a few times. She said, Mr. Zolke? I said, yes, yes, I want this. And he said, uh, Zoe? And Zoe said, yes. And he said, Zariah? And she said, no. <laughs> no. And then she, do, she does this thing that's cute. In that moment, maybe not as cute. And she looks, looks around like, you get the joke, you know, like... <laughs> Uh, no. And he says, really, do you, do you not feel comfortable with your family? Do you not want all that comes with being a family in the family? And she says, no. And then we're like, come on. <laughs> and, and we're looking at the judge like, this isn't real, right? I mean, you can still do this without her <laughs> approval. I'm thinking like, she's a minor, so do I get to make that decision? I don't, I don't. And then she, and then she changes her mind. And she says, yes. And he, and he, and he laughs a little bit out loud. So she says yes. I take a little sigh. <laughs> I'm thinking, I didn't know that could happen. And then he says, uh, he signs some piece of paper, and he says, as a judge in the state of Minnesota, you are now officially a family. And then he says, legally in the state of Minnesota and in the United States of America, you have always been a family and will always be a family. And he changes their birth certificates. So they say our names on them. It says, in, in my eyes, these girls were born into your family. I was like, what? I didn't know that part. So that's where I cried. Uh, and I'm just thinking, that's a crap. Hey, do you know the gospel? It's like the gospel, judge guy. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't say that. <laughs> I was very nervous. He was like, do you see what he's wearing? He's very official. <laughs> he also is the guy I think he could send me to jail. So I was like, I don't, I don't want to mess with you. 
And it's great. And then he's so excited. He said, this is so cool. He wants to come around. We take this picture. This is the moment. This is, this is minutes after we officially became a family. But in his eyes, we had always been a family. Forever. Forever. We are real, real family. And what kind of led us to this? One of the things um, that led us to this is, is being overwhelmed by the fact that the, of the reality that I am really God's child. I'm safe that he chose me, that he actually wants me and loves me. I thought, oh, how, can I, how can that overflow, how can that, um, I bear that image in my own life? I had the opportunity to do that um, with children around me. I actually had the opportunity to go uh, for a week uh, to climb a mountain and hang out, <clears throat> uh, which was incredible. And one of the days I was reading through Psalms and this passage hit me really hard. I read it over and over and over and it really kind of put me over the, the, the edges, the motivation to get to that day. Um, in Psalm 10, it says, But you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and take it in hand. The victims commit themselves to you, and you are the f- helper of the fatherless. Other, other translation says you're the father to the fatherless. I uh, sat on a mountainside and cried and thanked God that he was my father. And in that same day, as I sat and continued to pray, uh, felt God also say, you the opportunity to bear this same image uh, in your family and, and become a father to the fatherless. Um, and, I, and I would ask all of you to consider that. Just to think, is, is that something that you've even ever considered? Uh, I'd say a lot of families maybe would never adopt, actually adopt children as we did, as actually a lot of families here at Hope have had the opportunity to do. But have you even considered it? Have you prayed about it, thought about it? Have you ever had that quick conversation as a couple? Or have you ever thought in the future, someday I might be married, and I wonder if I would do that? Um, I ask you to consider that. And if, if not, can you, how can you support that? How can you support families who want to do that? We can see orphans get into homes as this great picture of the gospel. Or could you um, even be willing to give financially? Adoption is very Expensive, a huge, it's a huge hurdle for families. We're willing to help encourage families in this uh, great opportunity that we have. Um, today, in fact, in Minnesota, they just, I just was reading that we have one of the highest amounts of uh, foster kids we've ever had in the state of Minnesota. Hundreds of kids are waiting to be adopted in our state, just, just here in our state, um, looking for families. What an opportunity. We, we have a partner ministry at Hope uh, called New Life Family Services, too, that, that works with families, works with mothers and children, does all sorts of great stuff to help, uh, actually help get uh, children, in, connect families and children, also help care for mothers, also help, I just heard about um, some like junior high kids who did a diaper drive and like, like collected hundreds and hundreds of diapers to give to mothers who needed diapers. There's all sorts of opportunities. Just want while we're in this moment, I thought, I wanna encourage you even if you're looking for a place to support and help in this area of, of adoption and caring for these children and their mothers, uh, New Life Family Service is a great opportunity. You can actually, uh, I think on our website, you can find ways to connect to them and connect to our other hopesters who are working with them. All right, let's keep moving. Verse seven. <clears throat> in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. This is referring to, in him is referring to, right before this it says, uh, which he has freely given to us in the one, capital O. Thank you, whoever translated this, the, o, the big O, so we know is 
Jesus, um, in the one he loves. So in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. So how, how, do we, how do we get adopted? How does this work? The payment for that is done by Christ, his blood, shedding of his blood, the forgiveness of sins coming from his death on the cross, the conquering of death, the riches of God's grace being lavished on him. Again, another phrase that I don't often think of when I think of uh, heavenly father, right? I often think he's maybe withholding, he's maybe my enemy, he's not safe, he doesn't want me, it's not his pleasure. I don't think lavish. Lavish is not the word, but it is the word. Our Heavenly Father has lavished us with this great thing. You know what he does? By Jesus' blood on the cross, he makes things right. So we have a father and a family that makes things right so that we are reconciled. Things can come together again. Walls can come down that were once put up. That's a, that's a great family. This is, a, this is the thing that I feel often at this time of year. Post-Christmas, leading up to Christmas, I feel the anxiety of non, non-reconciliation, uh, unreconciled, and then after you kind of feel the like, relief of, okay, now I don't have to deal with necessarily that again for a little while. That, that's, for me, a lot of the anxiety of holidays is the, the walls that are put up, right? The not connection, the not unity, and we have a father who does actually bring that, not just to him, but to one another. All right, as we get to the end of this, uh, let's continue on here, at the second half of eight. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. There's that good pleasure again. He made known this mystery to us, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Let's hear again from our friend. But while God's grace is given freely, it is not given recklessly. Again, here's our God who's in control, who's thoughtful, who's wise, who knows what he's doing. It's not given recklessly. His actions are guided by wisdom and understanding. Wisdom is knowledge of the reality of a situation. He knows what's actually happening. We need to be rescued. We need to be adopted, saved. Rather than a superficial facts, right? Which I, I think we see th- throughout scripture, right? We see us trying to figure out with the stuff around us, right, in a half-built house, how do we figure this out and be made right again and actually have the family we desire, but he actually understands the true reality. An understanding, which is the discernment required to be distinguished between reality and falsehood. We are always uncertain and doubtful because we have to rely on guesses and assumptions. Yeah, that's my life each day. The anxiety that comes each day, the uncertainty that comes. In the end, I really don't know what's going on. Especially I walk into my house, who knows what's gonna happen, right? Seven and 10-year-old, it's exciting. But God knows, Right? He knows all things as they really are. The greater reality that we are in God's family is connected to our God who actually knows what's going on. And what's incredible is this passage we hear, he actually gives us what that mystery is. We we don't know what's going on. We're uncertain, we're doubtful. We're trying to figure out ways to make these things right, to feel safe, to feel loved, to feel wanted. And the mystery is, Christ, 
in him. Come to him. That's good news. That was God's pleasure. And that mystery he's given to all of us. And it unites us. It brings us together. Here's the, here's the most obvious one, ready? I was, getting, I was getting tired of trying to figure out a second phrase. So, <laughs> Our Heavenly Father unites us, makes us united. That's like an eighth grade answer to a question. <laughs> Just use the same word. He unites us. How, how are we united? That we all know this mystery that he's given us, which is Jesus. Our brother, Jesus. Come to him, and from there, we get to move back out into the world as people who are loved, who are wanted, who are safe. And that changes things because we're no longer using the world and the people around us to fulfill those things. Those are fulfilled in our, in our status as a child of God. Um, as we go through Ephesians here, uh, if you keep reading through Ephesians 1, you get into Ephesians 2. Spoiler, it goes to the number two. And in there we get to this great passage that continues this, what this looks like. Let's just read this quickly as we continue him. Uh, For he himself is our peace, Christ, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. He has made peace in our family and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. I, can never, I can't say the word. And then he came and preached peace to you who are far off and to those who are near. For through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Saying there's, I like this image. There's this wall of hostility. He has taken that down, Christ has. So now we are one. We are united with God, with the spirit with Jesus, and now, therefore, you're no longer strangers and foreigners to one another, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you you also are built together for a dwelling place of of God in the Spirit. So Christ coming, us putting faith in Christ, has united us. We once were strangers and foreigners, and now we are citizens together. I really like this imagery. It really helps me. This doesn't mean that uh, the, the walls have been torn down and we all become the same person. It just means now we have all this one connection, right? The mystery has been revealed, and we now know we are unified under this great Truth that we have been adopted and we are all God's children together. A diverse, very diverse family from very different places, but all together. No longer hostile, no longer against one another, but together. Actually, I learned something really interesting this week that I think is fascinating. Probably all of you know this, but it's like my new cool fact that I learned that I tell everyone when I meet them. Does everybody know about the Northwest Angle? This isn't crazy to me. I just learned about this this week. There's part of Minnesota that's in Canada. What? There's a, when maps were being made long, long ago by, by old map makers, <laughs> they drew this whoop, little thing on the top of Minnesota around the lake uh, that, from what I read, most people think it's kind of a mistake because we didn't have Google Maps back then, so they didn't know where to draw it. And there's a piece of Minnesota that's in Canada. You can only get to it 
Through the, if you're on the lake, you're still technically in Minnesota. Otherwise, the kids in the town that live here go cross the border every day to go to school. They go to school in Canada. Is that wild? Interna they're international students every day at school. <laughs> it's incredible. They have to go through a checkpoint on their bus. And, and no, so I'm reading, these, I'm reading these interviews with people that are like, oh, there's all these complications because we have to drive to Canada to do things. And you have to always have your passport. And the only way is to go across the lake. And there's, these, uh, there's some musky fishermen or walleye fishermen who call these walleye and they brought them back and they got like fined for it because they were smuggling contraband walleye <laughs> over the border. But really it was just, you know, to their house. Um, it's fascinating to me. It's fascinating to me that for how long, how many people have dealt with this issue because, because of an imaginary line that someone drew a long time ago before they had Google Maps, right? There's a line that was drawn that determines we're different from you and you're different from us and there's all these complications to even hang out together, to even get our kids together. We, you have to go through this thing and sign this thing. Your kids have to go through a checkpoint every day, two times, to, to hang out there. And are your kids Canadian? If they have Canadian education, are they not? Whoa, all these things, right, are starting to, what's, what's going on here? There's people there who would like to just, like, secede from the U.S. and become Canadian because it's just so complicated. How, how often, how many parts of my life do I have lines, imaginary lines that I've created that cause all sorts of complication, that divide me from someone else, often make someone else an enemy, I don't even know why sometimes. Because long ago, somebody drew that line and told my family, and they told me growing up, that's a line. You don't watch out for those people. We don't, you know. How many of those lines do I have that I don't even know why that maybe we're accidentally drawn? That I take, it's a lot of effort to go to my Canadian friends, and it doesn't need to be. What a good thing that Christ has come and taken those out. We can erase those imaginary borders, celebrate the diversity in that, and celebrate unity in that. I want to just uh, end here by celebrating some um, of our brothers and sisters that have been encouraging to me in the last few months of my life as I've been reading. It's just people who um, you might not know, maybe you do know, but they are just they're they're also children of God. Uh, the first one I think is really interesting. This is uh, Lemuel Haynes. He is the first Afri African-American uh, ordained pastor in, in the United States. He fought in the Revolutionary War, which is kind of cool. You don't often read about, I don't read about people who fought in the Revolutionary War. Uh, and then he was ordained uh, in the Congregational Church. Um, he uh, fought for the freedom of slaves, and this is, this is what I think is Fascinating about him. For 33 years, he served as a pastor in a church where a lot of that time he was the only black man in the church. He, he served a large church of all um, white people mostly, who also, many of them were pro-slavery. And he felt that God had called him to help them understand that the gospel wasn't in line with slavery. So, can you imagine that? He could have went to a lot of other places, a lot of other people, Here's what's cool. There are people that came out of that church that became abolitionists whose families became stops in the Underground Railroad who attribute their conversion, kind of, to better understanding the gospel to this man. Because he said, God called me to this place to help these people better understand this. And God used him. That's one of our brothers. Is that incredible? What a man. 
And, and you wonder, like, how could you do that? Well, before he died, he said, I want this on my gravestone so my ministry could continue. This is why. This is what is, is, is on his grave. Here lies the dust of a poor, hell-deserving sinner who ventured into eternity trusting wholly on the merits of Christ for salvation in the full belief of the great doctrines he preached while on earth. He invites his children and all who read this to trust their eternal interest in the same foundation. That's why he could do that, right? So he knew he was safe. He knew he was loved. He knew he was wanted. So he could help others know that same Truth, I want to introduce you, or maybe you probably know, um, of Elizabeth Elliot. Oh my goodness, this woman. Uh, you can read one of her many books, one of her many articles she's written. Her story is incredible. The part of her story that often uh, encourages me and challenges me, um, not only would she become a professor and write many books and help many, many people come to know Christ. Uh, early in her story, as uh, her and her husband were young, they had the opportunity to go... Um, to, to a new tribe, and when her husband and some other men arrived at that tribe, they were killed um, with, with spears. It's actually an incredible movie about it. Um, and so her husband was killed trying to take the risk, right, to share the gospel. So she became very angry and wrote angry blogs about these people and tweeted about them. No, this was a long time ago. <laughs> Why would I share that with you? Let's, let's hold up the woman who... <laughs> just writes angry tweets. She, this is wild, she grabbed her daughter, that's her in the picture there, her daughter, and they went back because these people needed to know who Jesus was. They needed to know that they were children of God. That is not what my response would be. That was what her response would be. And she was asked once um, uh, about what it was like to be a, a woman in the time she lived. So the fact that I'm a woman does not make me a different kind of Christian, but the fact that I'm a Christian makes me a different kind of woman. Hear what she's saying? My, the foundation of who I am, my identity, is that I'm a Christian. I'm a, uh, a daughter of God. And out of that changes how I, how I act as a woman, what I do as a woman. But she, she had it flipped, right? Sometimes we have that flipped. We say, oh, this is who I am. I'm, we're thinking from inside the house, trying to build a house without anything, instead of outside, this is who, who am I? And then from that, becoming the different things God's created to be. Um, I have one last one that I think is really important. I think we could look at these people, right, and say, that's incredible. I could never do that. that. That's just wild stuff, right? Those aren't normal people. You could say, I know I should wake up and think, God's good that you, call, that you want me, that you love me, that I'm safe, that you're in control. That's hard. I don't think I can do that. You probably can't do that. But we can pursue and cling to the last person I want to introduce you to, uh, which is our brother, Jesus. Couldn't find a photo of him. <laughs> we, ha we, have to, we have to see Jesus, our brother, who gave of himself so that we could be in the family. We have to cling to him. That's step one. And every day, step one is cling to him. And from him, we can figure out these other things. But first, we must cling to him because he's the one, the reason we become family. Here's something he said. He said a lot of stuff, actually. It's written in a book called the Bible. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. He's talking to disciples here. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you, 
May they also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. He's, he's praying actually for us, all who will believe. Today, us sitting here, just as he knew in the, when they were creating the world that he would save us one day, he knew that we'd be sitting here in 2019 at Hope Community Church. He's praying that we would be unified, that we'd be together, and that people would know who he was. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that they sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So our unity, together we get to help others know who Christ is. Just a few um, application here as we wrap up. Just think about as we head out today. Have you said yes to the judge? Have you accepted this invitation to your family? Even if you're someone who say, yeah, yeah, I'm, I follow Jesus Will you wake up tomorrow and say, yes, yes, I want to be in this family? And which part of today maybe that you just need to be reminded of? What's helpful to be reminded? I, I'm loved, I'm safe, I'm, God is in control. Maybe who do you need to reconcile with? What lines need to be erased? Uh, maybe even just think, what lines have, I don't even know why there are lines between me and certain people. Um, and lastly, who do you know that needs to hear this? Who do you know that needs to know they are a child of God, that Christ has made a way for them to be adopted? Um, let's take a second and pray. Thank God for this great truth. Lord, you're really good to us. You have loved us so much um, that you have sent Christ to save us. And we are thankful for that good news. I pray we would rest in that today. Truly rest in that reality. That it's real that we are your children. And that out of that, we would act like your family. And we would love and we'd care for those around us. And more people would know this great truth. And more people would enter into your family today. Pray this in your good, good name. Amen.